where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Last week, we finished a sermon series on words, and this morning I come to you with another word. It was unplanned, but the readings just lended themselves to a single focus, and the word this morning is healing. And it's easy to think about healing as uh, restoring to sound health or to alleviate or relieve in some way. But healing is really a complex interplay of spirit, mind, body, and emotion. It's much like a loaf of bread, which is the interplay of flour and water or milk and yeast and salt and sugar and heat and time. Healing is about wholeness, where within the course of the whole, it's really hard to tease out the singularity of each of the parts. And conversations that try to engage questions about physical healing and all the questions that illness lead to, the why and the how and the how long, often lead to a necessary acknowledgement of our limits. I don't know. Last week, we introduced that practice, that intentional practice of being free to say, I don't know. And if you've noticed our prayer list from week to week, there have been several additions and transitions in our community. There have been some hospitalizations and new diagnoses. And I just want to acknowledge that some folks and their families are feeling very tender and vulnerable again in new ways. And even where death has been anticipated and accepted, the death of a loved one and major life changes are disorienting. And as a church community, we share in your sorrow and surround you in love and care and strength. Health is often equated with physical functioning. But in the Bible, healing stories seem to often be about something else. Healing stories are connected to relationships and community. And conversations that try to engage questions about systemic healing, about the healing of relationships and community, and the breach that is unveiled in a senseless loss of life or a life that is taken by force. Conversations around differences in care and access related to ethnicity and economics, as well as ongoing patterns of disparity, do not always end with, I don't know. 
In those conversations, I don't know is often an excuse or an alibi. Because in those conversations, we can know. And oftentimes, we do know. And if we don't, there is that knowing, perhaps from histories or interpretations of other communities outside of what we would consider our, our own. And in listening to this morning's scripture, it's helpful to know this within and without, this inside or outside, that the centurion who's mentioned in this story is a leader in the Roman army. And the mention and presence of a centurion would easily lead to feelings of uneasy discomfort to the hearers. The people hearing the story have had their lives disrupted by the occupation and the oppressive regime of the Roman army and have likely made many adaptations for some semblance of normalcy. And I'm guessing we all now know a piece of what that feels like, to have life as we know it totally disrupted by a global pandemic and the way we find a way in that time to have some semblance of what feels normal or natural. It's not the same, but it's a glimpse, and it's worthy of uh, consideration. So in listening to this morning's stories, let's be attentive to the relationship and communal aspect of the story, the relationship and the communal aspect of healing. And the version that I'm going to be reading from is mostly the message version, but it is uh, slightly tweaked. And the title is A Place of Holy Mystery. When Jesus finished speaking to the people, he entered Capernaum. A Roman centurion there had a servant who was on his deathbed. The centurion prized the servant highly and didn't want to lose him. Upon hearing that Jesus was back, the centurion sent elders from the Jewish community asking Jesus to come and heal his servant. The Jewish elders came to Jesus and urged him, saying, The centurion deserves this. He loves our people. He even built our synagogue. Jesus went with them. And then when they were still quite far off from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell Jesus, Master, you don't have to go to all this trouble. I'm not that good a person. I'd be embarrassed for you to come to my house, even embarrassed to come to you in person. Just say the word and my servant will be well. I'm a man under authority. I also give orders. I tell one soldier, go, and they go. Another, come, and they come. To my slave, I say, do this, and they do it. Taken aback, Jesus addressed the accompanying crowd. I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust anywhere in Israel, the very people who are supposed to know about God and how God works. 
When the messengers got back home, they found the servant up and well. There's a second story as well in another town where there was a widow whose son had died. And there was a funeral procession for her only son, and a great crowd surrounded her. No one was speaking on her behalf. There was no request made. But Jesus saw this procession, and he saw that crowd, and he was moved with compassion and stepped right up to the son who was laying on a stretcher. And with his words, her son was miraculously restored to life. What did you hear? What did you notice about these two stories? They're very different, aren't they? The first one is about the centurity and his servant, also translated as slave. And neither one of them were seen or heard directly. Elders of the Jewish community were sent. They had an interaction with Jesus, and Jesus was heading to where the centurion and the slave were. And then as they were on their way, friends were sent with another message. And the translation of Jesus' response to this second message is that he was amazed. The encounter is only through intermediaries. It's like intercessory prayer on behalf of someone else, making the connection between Jesus and the ones who need and are requesting healing. In the second story, the woman and her son are in a very public place, completely visible, surrounded by people. There are no advocates, yet Jesus is moved and drawn to them. In this encounter, Jesus speaks to the son and tells him to rise. The encounter is up close and direct. Now let's go back to that word amazing that Jesus exclaimed uh, in the first story. And that amazement came following the centurion's confession. In the Roman Catholic Church, before the communion litany changed in 2011, uh, there was a line that was, uh, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. And that's what communicants would say right before they went up and received communion. And in 2011, it was changed to a line that's very close to what our scripture says this morning. Scripture says, Master, um, I'm not that good a person. I'd be embarrassed for you to come to my house, even embarrassed to come to you in person. Just say the word, and my servant will get well. And what that confession is now is, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. 
there's an immense humility and an acknowledgement of different authorities from a person whose relationship with the community was complicated at best. The centurion was a leader of an occupying force and a force for good in funding the meeting place or the synagogue for the Jewish people. So what is the illness here? And whose ill health is being carried by the slave? In the second story, Jesus saw the procession and was moved with compassion. Compassion is not a head thing. And compassion is really not even a heart thing. Compassion is a gut thing. It's where digestion takes place. A widow without a son has no social standing or security. And the woman in this story is silent. I imagine she's wailing with grief, but she has no request for Jesus. No confession, no advocates, yet a community gathers. So maybe the advocates are in presence rather than words. What is the illness here? And what life can come from this death? What life has come from this death? Is the slave, is the person who has been enslaved free? Is the woman who said nothing now empowered somehow? by the compassion of Jesus? Are the systems of enslavement and slavery and patriarchy beginning to crumble? There is a movement in prayer that I've noticed over the years, and perhaps you've noticed it as well. And the reason I'm aware of the wording of the litany in the Catholic Church is because, as some of you know, I went to Creighton University and I, was a, I went to Mass daily. Uh, and I learned it. And so the daily recitation of, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the words and I shall be healed, over time became, God, I thank you that you have made me worthy to receive you. And by your power and grace, may your healing continue. Both of these prayers can be true and deeply honest. And as we continue to gather in spirit around the various tables of our community, may the same spirit that leads some to confess and others to find their voice be with you and be at work within you and through you.